<laughs> yes. Oh, you're, you're applauding Elvis? I mean, what is that? What? Uh, Tanner and the crew, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, hey, that's almost laughable today. I mean, y'all are giggling, right? I think Elvis is on to something. Um, you know, with all the songs that we sing at the season, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Holly jolly Christmas, joy to the world. Everybody's happy, except like a lot of us. Not so much. And what happens at, at Christmas time is that our challenges that are the 11 months, you know, rest of the year, the, the challenges of, of sadness or depression, anxiety, mental health challenges that we all face, about one in five of us, by the way, teenagers and adults face mental challenges, struggles throughout our lives. One in 10 of us are clinically depressed. One in five of us will deal with depression along the way. And I want to talk about that today because at this time of the year, our challenges like that can become more acute because everybody's happy, right? And I want to lift the stigma today. I want us to get real. I want to talk about an issue that we all face. It's been said that depression is the family secret that everyone has. And I'd like to say not here. Not here. This is a place where we can talk about our challenges, talk about our struggles. I have a dear friend who is, in fact, he was the, um, my roommate in college who's now a clinical psychologist and a Christian therapist I've talked to as I've prepared this message. Other friends of mine, I have a dear friend, my best friend I grew up with, um, uh, has struggled with debilitating depression um, and have, have, have sought some you know, help and understanding. I've even walked through seasons of challenges in my life. I'll share a little bit today, but I think Elvis is on to something, because today we're going to, you see it, we're, we're talking about a blue Christmas. Like all the spectrums of color, uh, we go through seasons of life, and sometimes winter can last a really, really long time, and we long for spring. But just as we talked about the vine and the branches last week, as we grow in the Lord, you know, all of life, uh, we go through seasons, and you could argue, all of us probably would say, it's through the darkest, most difficult times of our lives where God allowed us and helped us to grow more than any other time. I want it to be springtime all the time. I mean, like, literally, I want it to be springtime. Uh, so life is not that way. And, and so we're going to address an issue today that I think will bring a lot of, lot of love and help and encouragement to all of us. This is for everybody here. It's probably a message you want to share with friends. You might want to take notes. And it'll help you and others. But God gives us one another. He gives us His Spirit. He gives us His Word we're going to look at today. But He gives us each other to help us. And we, we learn when we turn to Him what it says in Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord wants to meet you today. He wants to help you. You know, John 1.14 is a popular Christmas passage. It describes Christmas as the Word, the divine Logos, becoming flesh and dwelling among us. Matthew 1.23 says that His name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He's come and He's with us. His Spirit has come. And so what I want to say today, really the, the crux of the message is this. Jesus has come to be Emmanuel and is with us even through the most difficult seasons of life. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Would you do that? Some of you will know this is the um, Christmas story. We find it there. Going to look just real quickly, snapshot there, and I'm going to jump to a passage you've never heard at Christmas time. All right? 
So because, a couple of reasons. One, I believe God's told me to do so. Um, and that's really all that matters, right? But I also believe that it will apply to, to all of us here. Luke chapter 2. If we can get past all the materialism, Santa, all the hype, we learn that Christmas... You know, uh, don't, do you think about this often? What we've made Christmas out to be? I mean, it can be a high time of uh, just anxiety. Fragility of relationships, family issues, challenges, even financial pressures. Uh, look at what we've turned it into. And what it's all about is verse 7 of chapter 2. In Luke, she gave birth to her firstborn son. Bam! Christmas! That's it! And to focus in on this firstborn, she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn. And look at verse 8. And they were in the same region, so around Bethlehem. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear, or they were terrified, is what some translations say. Great, that word is mega, fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, all right, the gospel of great joy. There's that word again, mega joy, that will be for all people, joy to the world. And then the angel says, you're going to find this baby born, it's, it's it, the sign of this Savior is a little baby that's been born, not in the way that they thought he would come. Now, what, what we see here is this heaven's raucous celebration burst into our reality. It's almost like these shepherds are out there and they catch this a portal into heaven. Uh, and, and then angels show up and announce the birth of Jesus. And joy comes to the whole wide world. But if we kept uh, looking at this passage, you'd see in, in verse 10, uh, or no, verse 15, verse 20, this news, this mega fear was met with mega joy, and the news prompted them to then jump in on what God was doing. So here's what I want to say. You know, it, it, at, at times we, we wrestle with happiness. We talk about this often here because happiness is based on circumstance, but, but joy is something else. Circumstances that would make us happy uh, or make, how about this, feel pleasure. That's really the God of our age is pleasure. However I can get there. But joy, biblical joy, is the response to God's sovereignty. You can see it there. And His purposes being accomplished in my life. That's joy. The shepherds, why were they so joy-filled? They knew they were a part of the divine purposes of God. But watch this. God's divine purposes can also be through seasons of real dark, difficult times. What's been called really you know, the seasons of despair. And, and I want to make a distinction here, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist, not a, not a psychologist, but a distinction between, um, my friend has helped me here, what's called reactive depression and then clinical depression. Clinical depression is something that's diagnosed and needs medication. And we have, praise God, we live now and not 50 years ago, even 100 years ago. We have help, uh, which we didn't have. But reactive depression is, is what it sounds like. It's a reaction to, a response to something that's happened in our lives, right? So what I want you to do, we're going to address some of this and, and really unpack you know, seasonal sadness. Um, I mean, all this needs to be diagnosed, so we're not going to have time to do that today. But I'm going to challenge you to seek help to diagnose what you're walking through. Talk about it, right? 1 Kings chapter 19. I want you to turn there. Passage I've never preached at Christmas time, one you've never heard at Christmas time. And again, I want to lift the stigma, the silence that dominates Christian circles um, as we struggle with pain and sadness, depression, 
in all of these things. I've noticed, uh, I mean, noted how many of us struggle with this. Some of us struggle with what's called generalized uh, depression or generalized anxiety. Often those two things go together, anxiety and depression. Some of us lived with a constant state and kind of a constant state of anxiety and depression. In fact, all of us do in varying degrees because we struggle with our own identity, our worth found in Christ, which is why the worship gathering, your time before the Lord is so critical. Three things people tend to confuse, depression, um, grief, and sadness. A few years ago, um, now, I was walking through a real season of sadness. And I had, uh, my dad had passed away, and though he doesn't live here, um, and I, I'd only talked to him weekly, but I would see him periodically, I didn't think it would be that big a deal. I mean, frankly, I, I was not with him all the time. He was getting older, and, and he was ready to go to heaven. He was ill for, for some time. So, but after he was gone, I just, like my dad's not on the planet anymore. And I was walking through that. Now, you would expect there's grief that comes with that. All loss includes grief, right? But I had some personal losses along the way. And, um, and it was a, se- a series of things. I was talking to Dr. Jack Martin, who's here on our staff, about it one day, and just unpacking this, and I'm kind of a verbal processor, those of you who know me, and I was talking with other friends about what I was feeling, of course, with Stacy primarily, and Jack said to me, Jeff, that's grief. You're going through grief, and you need to process that, and once he named it, you know, once he kind of diagnosed it, if you will, and I, then I was given hope in the moment, because I realized, okay, Because grief has a process, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's often, not always, an end. And so it just helped me to say, this is what I'm dealing with. To name it and to talk about it certainly was was a great help. And so it gave me hope. Um, And so what I want to do is is set the stage here. Elijah is introduced to us out of nowhere in chapter 17. He comes on the stage, if you know anything about his story, he comes on the stage like a West Texas tornado, all right? He's going to serve God's purposes with all the finesse of a bull in a china shop. Because sometimes God uses people like that. Not always. Sometimes you're just a jerk. But in this case, um, he's, he's using this man who is courageous and determined. And so he, in chapter 18, he wipes out the prophets of Baal. Maybe you've read that passage. If you haven't, you need to read it today. One of the greatest stories in the Bible. Chapter 18, he's flying high. Chapter 19, he's down low. He, he's, uh, chapter 18, he's at the top of the mountain. And chapter 19, he's in the valley. Chapter 18 is Christmas Day. Chapter 19, he is in despair. So what I want to do is talk about four factors that lead to depression. Look at chapter 19 of 1 Kings. It says this, verse 1, Ahab, that's the king, told Jezebel. And if this was a melodrama, y'all are all going, yes, boo. Jezebel, boo. That was weak. But anyway, um, all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And that is a long way to say you're going to die by this time tomorrow. You're going to be killed. We're coming after you. And so the great, courageous prophet of God gets a word from a woman who's coming after him. And he was afraid. So much so, he ran for his life and came to Beersheba. This is a long journey, by the way. He is on the run for a long time, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Take note of that. 
But he himself, by himself, went a day's journey further into the wilderness and came, sat under a broom tree, a juniper tree. And he asked that he might die. I don't know if you've ever been here. Some of us have been here. I'd rather be dead, okay? He says, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm better, or I'm no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under the broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him, watch this, and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake uh, baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, Mount Sinai, the Mount of the Lord. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, Look at this, said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Sometimes we need a friend. We need somebody to come. What are you doing here? Why are you here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left. I'm the only one. They seek my life. And then he said, go out, stand on the mount. You watch. And then maybe you know the rest of the story. A great wind came that blew the place out. I mean, like a big tornado or something, rocks blowing up. And uh, then came a, a great earthquake. It says, but the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. And then a big fire came and the Lord was not in the fire. Verse 12, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And God spoke to Elijah. And he said, what are you doing here? Let's go. You're going to go back. You're going to anoint a king. And you're also going to, watch this, I've already named Elisha to be your successor. I'm bringing help for you. Your life is about to change. And so I want us to look at four factors here in this passage that are going to help each of us wrestle with whether it's seasonal sadness, depression, reactive depression, or even clinical depression and anxiety. Um, Elijah, look at this, the first one, the first factor is fear. Elijah is afraid. Fear and depression always go together. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid even sometimes to get out of bed because we fear rejection. We fear that, that we're not going to measure up. The approval of others has, has, has caused us to be like him. He finds himself in a catatonic state. He's just wiped out, just can't move. He literally finds himself in a cave. And, 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 and he, he just is like, man, I, I, I can't do this. I don't want to go. Let me ask you, what are you afraid of? I always say your, your anxieties point you to your idols. This has been so helpful for me. When I start to experience anxiety, what is that? You've got to go a couple of levels. What, oh, I'm afraid to... Well, I'm going to be speaking in front of a lot of people. Why, why, why are you afraid? Ah, the approval of others. I want to perform well. Uh, see, you get underneath that and you say, that's... That's why I'm afraid. My anxieties point me to what I don't want to lose. It might be your position. It might be some popularity. I am that person. You have this persona. You think you might lose it. You may not measure up, and you're afraid. My friend told me that isolation is both a symptom and a causal factor in depression. I mean, it is a double whammy. 
Often when we're depressed, the last thing we want to, be, want to do is be with people. But look at this. In verse 3, it says, he left his servant. He went off by himself, isolated himself. That was his first mistake, and it will only get worse from there. It's why God's given us one another. It's why solitary confinement is the worst of all punishments. It's hell on earth. Separation from God, separation from others is what hell is all about. Next failure. Look at verse 4. I'm no better than my ancestors. You know, if he had not left his servant who could have spoken into his life and said, who says you have to be better than your fathers? What's that about? I could be like my dad. I got to be like those people. I got to be better than them. I'm going to show everybody. See, comparison, again, the thief of joy is killing him. And watch this. You're most vulnerable after a great event, just like Elijah. It's called, it, it's called post-adrenaline blues, post-event depression, post-deadline or project depression. We all know of postpartum depression, right? It's a, it's a um, contrasting response. Always moving up towards something and then bam, once it's over, you enter into great deep depression. I've, I've heard pastor friends of mine say they're always depressed on Monday um, because they're all week long. You're moving towards Monday to preach a message that God's given you and then bam, you, they just drop into depression. You know, children can feel depressed when they don't feel like they measure up, whether real or, you know, or imagined. If parents, you don't shower them with love and responsibility that brings about self-worth and value. Elijah thought he was a failure, and he, and he plummeted into self-pity. Um, and, and so the next one is fatigue. Look at verse 5. He was run down physically and emotionally. See, here's the thing for many of us. You're not so much depressed. You're just tired, and you just need to enter into a season of rest. He, he was he was tired. He was wiped out. Physical fatigue leads to emotional fatigue. But you've got to ask yourself again, get underneath it. Why can I not stop? Why am I running myself, you know, to death? See, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is vitality. Being, having a strong, vital life, even if it means for you, the strength for you is to get up and put on clothes for the day. Coming out and being with others. That is a vital life for some. It's on the move. It's, it's, it means that you're, you're seeking to be strong. And you need others to help you in your life as you move towards that. So fatigue is a major factor. Futility. Look at verse 10. It's where he says, I'm the only one left. My life's futile. He's coming off the greatest work of God in his life. And now one situation. Isn't it interesting? The fragility of the human soul. One incident leads him to this kind of position. So how can you, I just wonder, you know, you can relate to Elijah. I mean, someone said, just because you're not paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you, right? I mean, he's got real problems. We all have real problems. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble in this life, but take courage. I've overcome. You turn to me and, and you will overcome. So here's what I want to do. I just want to ask you, are you like him? Steps towards healing. Let's talk about it real quick as we wrap up. Get away, okay? Get away. Take time away. Not in isolation, but a Sabbath rhythm. My favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in all the Christmas stories, 2.19, Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all these things 
and pondered them in her heart. Here's the, the picture of a quiet, the quiet spirit of a new mom who just says, God, you would choose even me. Stoop down to choose even me. I love that. Get quiet. Find yourself alone by the Christmas tree and just reflect on life. Get help, all right? Talk about your frustrations. I've said it before. You're only as sick as your secrets, right? You need to get in a connect group. Here's the application for some of you. You've got to get in a group. You, out of that, become good friends, people you can talk with. Talking about your struggles, listen, it's not a lack of faith. It's a sign of great faith because you're saying God has given me others. Throughout his word, he says, I've given you others to talk to, to be with. The most courageous men among us are men who have been in small groups throughout the fall and have been sharing life, real life. I know so many men who are relationally starved because they're cowards. Sorry. They will not talk about the struggles they face. And so we're going to crank up groups. We've got groups here. We've got men's groups cranking up in January. Watch for them. Be a part of them. It can save your life, may save your marriage. But get help. We have help here in our church. And Dr. Uh, Newman, Riesling's office, Dr. Martin's office, we're here to help, help you. If you can't talk about your challenges, it's already got you, right? And then number three, get perspective, God's perspective. Again, if he had stayed with his servant, he probably would have had someone who could say, hey, Jezebel doesn't determine your worth and your value. God does. Let me tell you who you are. You're beloved. You're, you're righteous in him if you've received his grace. You're forgiven. You're a beloved child of God. We need to be around people who remind us and help us get perspective. True perspective comes only from God and his word. Are you in his word? Or just filling up your mind with the things of this world? And fourthly, get back to life. Meaning get back to those life-giving things and life-giving people. You need to put boundaries around your life. Many of us enter all kinds of diversions to medicate our pain. Some of you turn to alcohol. Where do you turn? Some of you turn to medication. Some of you turn to, um, you turn to certain people, maybe. You turn to you know, diversions of, of shopping. Got to have that, next, that, that, that outfit will make me really feel good about myself for about a day. Some of us turn to eating. Some of us turn, we get a Netflix binge, you know, whatever it might be. That's not always that bad, by the way. But anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. But too much of it, you know, can wear you down. What, what, what activities bring you life? Get back to life, right? And many of us so relationally starved. You need to get back to relationships that are life-giving. Then finally, the last one, get busy helping others. Best way to get out your, outside of yourself is to find somebody who is worse off than you are. Let the Christmas spirit guide you throughout the year. Um, you know, Jesus so identified with the poor and those who are hurting, and we have people hurting in our own lives. He so identifies with the marginalized and the broken that when we serve them, he says, you know it, we were serving him. He shows up. Emmanuel, God with us, shows up when we reach out and bless others. We're encouraged. We're given life. And where we were once in despair or struggling, we find ourselves then encouraged. So listen, as I close, joy to the world. Joy to your world. Jesus has come. Your fear is erased by his love. What does it say? It says, because perfect love casts out all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, Christ has come and taken your punishment. You have nothing to fear in this life if you embrace Christ and run to him. Your failure is erased by his forgiveness. He's come to forgive us all of our trespasses by the riches of his grace. He set you free from failure. You're not defined by failure. 
You can, you can move courageously into areas of your life. Your fatigue has been erased by His purpose. You can rest in Him. I love what Paul says. He says, His grace is sufficient. Paul, how about this? We don't think of Paul often being a man who struggled with depression, but he did. And he writes about it and sends out an all-points bulletin to the churches. I want you, you can read about my depression and my challenges and my struggle. And he says that what I've learned is, watch this, in my weakness, if I talk about it and, and, and I'll boast in it, God receives the glory. That's so counterintuitive in our Western minds. But we talk about it and we release it is what Paul has done. Your futility is erased by his purpose. Right? By His purposes, you wait on the Lord. Friends, listen, wait on Him, even in this season of winter. Continue to run to Him. He will bring strength into your life. Without Christ, your life is futile. And so here's the word I want to close with. I want to close with this. Park City's Baptist Church and friends. Let's read this together. Why don't we just proclaim it, okay? This is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Let's read it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. So as we close, I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray here in a moment, but I'm going to encourage you. We're here to pray for you today. Some of you need to join the church. I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do as a result? You can keep in the same pattern, you know, the same, same system of your life that's brought you to unhealth, to challenges, depression, even sadness or difficulties, isolation, or you can decide today you're going to step out in faith and courage. Some of you need to join the church. You need to get in a connect group. You need to connect and engage in the ministry of the church. Get outside of yourself we're going to be here to talk to you. I'll be over here at our Next Steps area right over to my right. Your left. You can just find us right after the service. Okay? We'd love to talk to you. Others of you, you just again, you just need prayer. We're here. We'll be here all afternoon until the, the majesty of Christmas starts at 4 o'clock. And you can come. Bring your friends. There's some kid-friendly uh, you know, uh, moments throughout. And it's going to be a great time today as we celebrate the season. Just a great moment for our church family and bring friends to come. It's going to be incredible. And don't miss a Sunday as we walk through the colors of Christmas. All right, let's all stand together and I'm going to, I'm going to pray us out the benediction. If you'll just, um, just stand and would you pray with me? I want you to just maybe if your hands are empty, you can put your, put your palms up uh, just to say, Lord, I release my, my anxieties and my worries to you. Just name, name what it is and allow Him to cover you with His grace and the truth that you've heard today. And Lord, I pray that each of us would go and be anxious for nothing because we have the promise of salvation, the power that you've given to us by your Spirit, and we have each other. Lord, I pray for those who've never received your grace. This still seems foreign. I pray today will be the day. Friend, accept his love for you. Receive his salvation. Jesus died on the cross for you so that you could be set free and live 
a life prevailing through difficult times as He brings joy into your life. Lord, we love you. We give you our lives. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Merry Christmas.